Hello and welcome to the first episode of the MCV Develop Podcast with me, Richie Shoemaker. And me, Vince Pavey. Today we are talking to Stuart Dinsey, Chair of Curve, the indie publisher behind a number of great games, as well as uh, Stevenage FC, also behind a number of great games that got the club to the fourth round of this year's FA Cup. And I believe it's a club that's just been promoted to League One. Correct. <laughs> During a 40-year career, he's been the Chair of Games Industry Body Yuki and also a non-executive director of Steel Media, the outfit behind PocketGamer.biz. And of course, 25 years ago, he established MCV as the voice of the UK games industry, uh, which it still is, uh, of course. In print, at least. Welcome to the MCV podcast, Stuart. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm very well. This is, uh, this is a great honour. I'm, I'm delighted that a podcast has arrived for the, for the MCV developed brand. And obviously, it's a real honour to be the first person up. There was one a few years ago. There was one in 2016. I was uh, listening to it recently, and uh, I think it only lasted five episodes. So we're going to try and go beyond that. <laughs> so, Stuart, you spent most of your career running various trade magazines and associated events. But let's start with why you left all that behind 10 years ago to take up the chair of Curve, which at the time was transitioning from indie developer to publisher, long before the success of games like Bomber Crew. What appealed to you about getting into the games publishing and yeah. why Curve? It's a really good question. I actually invested in Curve before I had left Intent Media. I had actually sold Intent Media to New Bay, um, and I just felt that there was a huge opportunity in in, uh, in the games market. I'd seen what had happened in the music industry, which gave us the opportunity to buy Music Week um, when the market went digital from physical and, if you like, away from the traditional retail channel. Um, That had caused some challenges for Music Week. I did actually think that um, in terms of what MCV was at the time as a weekly newspaper for the channel, physical goods, retailers, I did feel that MCV had probably peaked. Um, But the company, Intent Media, was was much more than that. It was a £10 million business with 95 staff, very profitable, lots of different markets, including obviously games, but music and tech and toys and cycling. Um, And an opportunity came to sell that business. I knew I probably wasn't going to be around for long working for other people. So I looked at staying in the games industry a different way. And and there was this growth of, of indie developers being able to get to market a lot easier. Um, uh, an old friend of mine, Jason Perkins, had founded Curve and he was in there with a number of other companies like Devolver that were looking to um, make a difference, grow businesses. And it kind of reminded me of what I saw with what we used to call you know, software publishers or uh, software houses. I think we even called them back in the mid-80s. Um, in, in the 90s, where, where, where young, younger age um, and more independent entrepreneurial businesses could make a difference and have hits um, so I, I just I just invested became chairman thought I could help certain areas one of the first things I did was help them get an Xbox license they had really been born off the back of the support PlayStation gave Indies um, at the time it was uh, it did software development rather than just publishing um, but I, I felt curve had an opportunity to be at the forefront of a, of a new growth in, in British games publishers. Um, and I can't believe, actually, it's next month, August, will be 10 years since I became involved in Curve. I'm, I'm curious, what's been the highlight of that time? The highlight has to be, it has to be the, the, the success of Human Fall Flat. 
um, and indeed Bomber Crew in 2017. So I'd been involved for four or five years and it had been a, it'd been really challenging, difficult. At times I was personally funding it. I knew we were in the right space, but, you know, we needed something that, that, that gave us the, um, the opportunity to grow. We'd uh, been acquired by Catalyst Group, um, which also owns Testronic. Uh, they had funded us to, to sign more games Humorful Flat had launched and done very well, but when it went multiplayer um, towards the end of 2017, it got picked up by uh, a, a Chinese streamer who uh, was playing it in between um, in between PUBG as a bit of fun and a bit of rest, and the game just went absolutely bananas. Um, I seem to remember we were clocking off that year thinking we'd turned over. We'd had good times, but... It just went crazy, and for example, we 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 clocked off for Christmas thinking we'd turned over six million, having had a number one with Bomber Crew and huge success with Humanful Flat, and we came back after New Year and we turned over eight million. Um, that's the excitement of of digital publishing. Um, so I think it was seventeen was the year we arrived, if you like. Okay, and as we mentioned in the intro, the the other side of I get your uh, your career is is. Is football, and shortly after becoming the chair of Curve, you became the chair of Stevenage Football Club. Yeah, I'm, I'm a director of Stevenage. A director, sorry. Yeah, I'm a director. There's only three of us on the board, but um, I'm a director of Stevenage. Yeah. How do you divide your time between the two? Um, dividing my time is easy. Um, most of it is is Curve, but uh, weekends are the football club plus board meetings and, and um, some operational stuff through the week, but. It came around really because I'd sold Intent Media and I knew I wasn't going to be back in um, traditional media for a while, thanks to non-competes. I didn't really know where Curve Investment was going to take me. So I wanted to um, challenge myself to learn another new industry. And also, um, as somebody originally from Stevenage that my dad moved us to in the 50s, I'm incredibly proud of the town uh, that was built for houses, schools and hospitals, which I benefited from and had a successful career as a journalist and then a media owner. Um, so when I um, sold the company, I felt that it was my duty as a Stevenage boy, if you like, to, to get involved in the club um, and to try and make a difference for a town that's got a league club. And there's lots of towns up and down the country that wish they had had one with much bigger support and bigger funding. So it was... Um, Became a bit of a, a, a sort of a, a passion or even a folly for me, you might say. No, I think you're probably the only person in the games industry who is involved involved in a in a in a football club. Is it something you keep completely separate? Does it help you be a better um, chair of Curve, for example? Is there any crossover? I, d- I don't know. Maybe. I mean, we have we have uh, we have done stuff that's that's crossed over. So. Uh, that our current kit sponsors just coming to an end at the end of the season that just finished is is Amazon Prime Gaming. So there, there have been uh, benefits between the two, but um, and it's a it's a great way of of, of networking and, and bringing people in. I love I love taking game people from the games industry to, to matches up and down the country. Um, in terms of giving a different perspective, they're very 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 different businesses. Um, you know, Curve publishes games and looks to have hits um, and entertain. Um, a football club looks to entertain, um, but it's not a business that's about um, driving growth 
and profit. It's about delivering entertainment for fans to come um, and obviously putting a great team together on and off the pitch. Are there any lessons you've learned from one that have helped out in the other? I guess I'm probably more relaxed about um, the challenges in the games industry because uh, when you're involved in football, it's it's far more visceral um, and, and there, there are a lot of people who will obviously care passionately about their club and might want to have a view on how things should be done. Um, I think games does have that because it has um, significant outreach to consumers. And, and I think probably the, the, the more difficult area for in a games company for the people who run community. Um, but what I have learned is that you're probably um, you're probably nestled away in your ivory tower a little bit more when you're running a games company. Um, and I think also it, you, you learn to take criticism um, from football. You, t- you learn to take criticism, which I think you can then apply to having um, a, a sort of a, a more relaxed view about the long-term planning that we do in games. Games take a long time. They take investment. And they take a long time to come to fruition, two or three years, even with indie, indie titles, whereas football is – absolutely instant week after week game after game happy sad happy sad <laughs> um so as well as steamage and, and curve you've you've also been very heavily directly involved in in yuki um which you chaired for a couple of years yep. during um well a difficult period i guess the beginning of the pandemic i mean how did you find that yeah it was difficult it was uh the middle of the um of the loot box inquiry and then uh pretty much four or five months after I took over as chair, the, the pandemic arrived. Um, but it was not particularly difficult for me. It was just difficult for my ego because I had to do everything on Zoom rather than standing on stages and, and um, uh, you know, face-to-face in large meetings. But um, it was difficult for Joe Twist, um, and she did an absolutely terrific job. And I got to know Joe very well. Um, the industry managed the pandemic incredibly well. The industry stayed together. Um, but you know, I don't think, I don't think the industry stood together on loot boxes. Um, Mm. I think bigger companies have still got some questions to answer there, but overall, um, I, I really enjoyed it and I loved working with, with all the board and, and, and Joe particularly. Cool. Um, right. Before we go right back to, to, to your MCV and CTW days, a little bit on the future, what, what's on the horizon for yourself curve and I guess the industry as a whole? Well, the, the big next thing from Curve is is a, is a game called For the King 2, which is coming out um, uh, towards the end of the summer, early autumn. Uh, it's the follow-up to For the King, which has been a huge success for us, the second biggest title we've got outside of Human Fall Flat. Um, it's looking absolutely terrific. It's got wish lists already of about half a million. Um, and... Um, it's probably gonna. It's gonna probably be our biggest ever. It will be our biggest launch from day one in our history. So, and it's a studio that we that we own as well. Iron Oak in Vancouver, who are just fabulous. So, that's what that's what everybody at Curve is thinking about right now. But we also have an exciting game called Kitbash Due, um, and um, we unveiled Dungeons of Hinterberg at the Xbox Showcase last Sunday with um, terrific support from Microsoft which is coming next year. So we're, we're entering a phase of really exciting um, new titles and big titles for Curve. Is Curve involved with Human Fall Flat 2? Uh, that was announced last week, wasn't it? 
No, it's not. We um, uh, we have Human Fall Flat 1 until 2028. Um, we chose to um, just continue with the original um, a few years ago now. Um, and we've, we, we think there's huge life in it. We've taken sales over 45 million units, would you believe, since wow. launch, um, across, I think, 35 different SKUs or platforms, including mobile. Um, and there's more to come. We've got um, launches in, in additional territories and on additional platforms coming. So we wish Devolver very well. We've got a fantastic relationship with them. Um, and we will be looking where possible to, to partner up with them. And um, so everybody wins. And and what about the the gen, the industry more generally? How how do you see the future of that? I mean, I mean, for example, obviously, everyone's talking about AI at the moment. What's your take on that? Well, it's funny enough. I was at an event yesterday, and AI came up. I think AI is obviously going to affect the industry and will have an impact. But as someone who's been around a long time, um, I think the impact that new technology has on the business always takes a little bit longer than. Than, uh, than journalists, uh, excited journalists will will initially predict, but the impact will be significant. Exactly what that means in terms of um, game design, I, I'm really not technical enough uh, to answer. But I think it's exciting. I think it's 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 absolutely perfect for our industry, and I think our industry will harness it to the benefit of of uh, gamers and businesses. Okay, we'll we'll take a moment there, and we'll be back after a short musical flourish. Welcome back to the MCV Developed Podcast, where we're talking to Stuart Dinsey, the chair of Curve Games, but who got started as a young reporter on Computer Trade Weekly, CTW, back in 1986. How did that come about? Well, I always had an unbelievable passion to be a journalist. I was, I was that kid when I was eight or nine years old, I used to make my own magazines. I used to write news on the front, sport on the back, the crossword, I used to review acts on top of the pops, um, left school. Um, deferred from university to try and get a job in media and applied for a job called a uh, trainee reporter's job on something called CTW. Um, didn't have a clue what it was. Um, if I'd known it was about computers, I probably wouldn't have applied. Um, oh, really? I, really? How come? You, were you not into games or nope, anything like that? No, nope, but I was into journalism um, and the job was um, uh, advertised as business journalism, which which really excited me. I I was working um, within a advertising agency called McCann Erickson at the time, and I was actually thumbing through things like market, magazines like Marketing Week and Music Week and Broadcast at the time. So this kind of set me up well for that interview because Greg Ingham, who went on to um, be uh, the, the head of Future Publishing through its growth, uh, he wanted um, he wanted a reporter. He he wanted somebody who wanted to break news and write about an industry, not someone to review games and um, and and have a kind of a, an overly consumer type focus. So that was what got me the job. Um, and Greg went to Future in I think eighty eight or eighty nine, and I actually became editor at twenty one, which was um, which was uh, really scary. Um, Greg advised me to hang in there because I had the best job in the world, and I did. And um, so I built CTW up over the next 10 years with some amazing journalists like Dave Roberts and Lisa Carter um, and Samantha Loveday and uh, Ronnie Dungan, who have all gone on to have fantastic careers in media. Um, And then in um, 98, having done 
um, many years at CTW, I decided it was time for me to actually launch my own media company. 98. So that was that would have been time of MCB, of course. Yes, we are. It was it was during the, the during World Cup 98. Um, uh, I, I remember um, bang in the middle of the World Cup. I quit CTW. Uh, Lisa Carter, who was the dep editor, came with me and the deputy sales manager came with us. Um, there was a German company called Computech making a lot of noise in the market at the time, launching consumer, a consumer group, consumer magazine group in the UK and in the US. Uh, they were kind of like Germany's future publishing. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, I remember them because I think they approached me because I was working on PCs at the time and they approached yeah. me because they were doing a new mag. Yeah. They approached everybody. Um, and, uh, <laughs> they, um, they had a trade mag in Germany and they, they wanted to, to, to sort of, uh, they actually already had a trade mag magazine in Germany called MCV, marked for Computer und Videospieler. So, oh, save that one for a pub, <laughs> yeah, pub if quiz. You, if you ever wonder where the name came from, it was that. Right. They, they offered me to to um, to launch the company, and and I did that. I I got everything I wanted except changing the name. I probably wouldn't have gone with MCV if I could have changed that, but that was the bit they insisted on. Um, and um, I set up a um, I set up the newspaper with um, uh, we we had Lisa, but we also had um, Owen Benelak, who went on to be the first ever editor of Develop. Um, and Steve Merritt joined us, who's um, still in the industry now uh, as um, head of PR at Bethesda, I think. And um, we, we launched uh, ECTS 98. We launched against CTW. So I spent a lot, uh, 12 years of my life building something up and then launched against myself. You pretty much took everyone from CTW with you to the point it was sold off within weeks of MCV launching. Hey, no, that's a myth. That's an oh, absolute, really? Yeah. Oh. Um, CTW carried on until March two thousand and two. Yeah, but I think wasn't it wasn't it sold sold though in the wake of it uh, MCB? Uh, yes, but that wasn't was it Bleeding uh, Edge or something like that? It was, you're right. It was sold, but there were a number of people who were still there who'd worked for me, um, yeah. and uh, and they also hired um, some really good people. Um, and 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 as I say, there was there was a real battle between the two weeklies for you know um three and a half years uh and it was never it was never an absolute given that mcv would would win through it was a a real battle for many years and then in 2002 i actually i'd heard that um the owners of ctw at the time had put it up for sale maybe thinking about closing it um and i had a huge um huge love of the brand and um so i acquired it and um, incorporated it into MCV. And it was around that time as well. We we were doing well. We'd launched Develop and Toy News. So I, I really w- wanted to sort of, I think the expression is double down on where we were in the games market. So throughout that time, was there ever any like bad blood? Like I'm just imagining the scene from Anchorman, but at like trade show floors. <laughs> um, not really. Maybe with the Maybe with the uh, the historical owner of CTW, I don't think he was very happy that I left. I think he he was he, he felt that I'd been disloyal. But um, I had been there twelve years. Um, uh, maybe with the company, the faceless company that bought CTW, but I don't really care about um, those sort of people. And the the um, a number of the other journalists that we we continue to compete with are, are good friends of mine now. So no, I don't I don't think there was any. 
it wasn't quite Anchorman, but it was, but it was hugely competitive. It, it was the days where two weekly newspapers would break the news. You know, um, people would open the plastic to read stories and find out things that they didn't know until they'd read the magazine. Uh, it's hard to imagine these days. Can you sort of give us a sense of how important CTW and I guess MCV were in the 80s and 90s? Uh, obviously, I'm a bit younger, so being at... <laughs> they were the voice. Um, they were the voice of the industry, and they they and and MCV still does it to this day. But they there weren't any there wasn't the proliferation of media that there is now. So everybody can be a journalist now. Everybody can be a broadcaster or an influencer, and quite right too. And there are lots of different areas that you can look at to find out information. But through the 80s and 90s. In the UK, there was CTW, and then, then then there was CTW and MCV, and that's why you would look, you would pour over every page, whether it was business news at the front or um, more sort of uh, fun stuff towards the back. It was um, it, it it really was the the, the 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 water you know what do you call it the water cooler moment. These that was you read the newspapers on a Thursday or a Friday morning, and you knew what was going on in the industry, and you knew who you were ringing if they'd just done something new and exciting. And of course, it was very much based around physical sales, physical distribution. Um, um, which we don't touch anymore, really. Do we? NCW was was a what you would call a, a channel publication. So it was it was manufacturer, distributor, retailer, media. And service companies around that, so that the uh, the environment around that. But really, it was about manufacturer, distributor, retailer. So MCV and CTW existed to bring information to retailers about games that were coming out and, and about the market. And within that, obviously, there was lots of advertisers trying to sell their games to those retailers. Where would you say uh, this is a very simplistic way of phrasing this question? I suppose. But where would you say MCV succeeded? Where CTW? Failed, for want of a better word. I think CTW struggled because it was part of a of a bigger company. That so perhaps CTW wasn't um, the be all and end all for that company. Whereas MCV was carved from my heart and from the hearts of the people that had set it up. So um, I think we had um, we had an absolute desire to build um, the market leader in MCV and to build uh, a trade media business. But CTW kind of had a revenge of sorts when staff went on to establish GI.biz, uh, where quite a few MCV and developed staff naturally ended up over the years. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think GI did GI launch in two thousand. I'm trying to think when when did when did GI launch? I, can't I think it was was it June two thousand and two. Yeah, June so, July. I, I mean, I, I mean, Rupert didn't work for CTW. Um, and um, no, I don't. I don't think that's quite right. I think GI came along and did something really exciting, um, and and they moved uh, they moved everything forwards. That um, in fact they um, they provoked me into investing heavily in online, so that MCV was able to diversify and become a significant um, online brand. Um, so yeah, I think it was it was fantastic when they arrived, and and they still do a great job today. So okay, so. The company you founded to, to house MCV, Intent Media, yep. um, became, I think after two, 2002, it became successful very quickly, it seems. You acquired, well, I think you acquired Develop before then. 
and obviously another uh, quite a few trade publications uh, for other industries. You started the MTV Awards, of course, um, the yep. Industry Excellence Awards. Um, it, it all seemed to be going right, I think, around that time. What, what was the secret of your success there? I'd always had um, a real, as, almost as I said, going back to, to reading Marketing Week broadcasts, um, Music Week, back before I was even a journalist, I really had a, um, a passion for the idea of the, of the business publication. And, and the, the way to get that right is to be close to the people. So it was constant phone calls, constant events, not necessarily events that you're monetizing, meeting people, being in everybody's lives, making sure that everybody, every single part of an industry that you serve feels, um, feels significant. So it's not just writing about the big companies. It's not just writing about the big issues. Um, and I built, thankfully, built an absolutely fabulous team around me that were very loyal in, in what we did. And, um, you know, because we were successful commercially, that gave us the opportunity to continue to invest in the quality of, of the events or, or, or the investments that we were doing, such as online. Um, but we... We were an independent business uh, with our own agenda of excellence, um, and um, we loved working hard. And it's such a fun industry to be in. Um, it was it was a pleasure and an honour to be to, to be writing about such a fast moving business. What I learned from going into other sectors, such as music and toys, for ex- for example, and cycling, is that they they're just not they're, they're slow compared to games. And then they, they certainly weren't as entrepreneurial. I think the games industry maybe isn't quite as entrepreneurial as it was, but the independent development sector has has kept that end up for our industry. Um, and how important were um, your partnerships, I suppose, that you fostered for that success? Because um, uh, for a time, MCV published daily magazines for Gamescom. There were show floor issues for E3. And I remember going to E3 and seeing the the masthead above the entrance as you went in, yeah, which I mean that that was incredibly impressive. I mean, I, absolutely everyone saw it. I mean, um, that was a big deal. It was a big deal, and I, I can still remember when um, Alex Jarvis and I, Alex was our original uh, sales director, we actually flew to Boston to do that deal. We went for one night uh, to meet somebody and say that we were really important from the UK and we'd like to have a, a contra partnership. And the one thing I wanted out of it was that banner. Um, and we got it and we flew straight back because what that banner said was, you know, we are here, we're important, you're important. And it made as much as it made us feel great seeing that MCV banner. It also made the UK games industry feel at home. And so it was, it was mm-hmm. hugely powerful for our brand. Yeah. I'll always remember that. I suppose, back, uh, still with E3, I guess it would seem to be a shadow of its former self, um, uh, Not arguably not unlike MCV in 2023. Is there a place for both in the future of the industry? Well, there's certainly a place for MCV. Um, I think you guys do a fantastic job. Obviously, the market's changed. I think that the level of resourcing has changed. Um, but I think the, if, you, if you put lots of effort in and you have passion, you will always um, get uh, support from the business and as I've said at a couple of events as I think I said at your awards it's down to you to do a terrific job but it's also down to the industry to support its trade media and I'd like to think the industry would look to support NCV and look to support GI because you do such a fantastic service for everybody um, I think with regards to E3 I think it's slightly different isn't it because it it doesn't take a huge amount of effort or investment 
um, to support trade media. Um, but I think figuring out how do I support E3 um, is quite tough in the modern environment without it, it um, costing huge amounts of money. And that's not just for the cost of um, exhibiting or, 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 or participating. It's the, it's the cost of travels, the, the, the cost of, of hotels. It's just an expensive event. And it was also originally a channel event. And so when the market changes, and they've, they've tried lots of different things over the years from esports to consumer, um, and with the rise of indie and the consolidation of the larger publishers and the ability for publishers to market directly to consumers without the requirement for that kind of spend and also the requirement to monitor ROI, I think it's really, really difficult for E3 to come back. However, showcase events such as the Xbox One last weekend and the Ubisoft events and things like that, they absolutely have a value and I can see them continuing. Do you ever think it's strange that E3 sort of fell apart like it did and then the following year everyone just sort of did it anyway? Like there was a lot of complaining about having to sort of share the share the week, but then when it came down to it, all of the individual showcases all line up over the same week in the same summer anyway? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, companies like being in control, don't they? So uh, they're going to be able, they're going to do it the way that suits them, um, which is different to participating within an event. So there has been a peripheral activity and, and media events, you know, for, for, for years in LA in the middle of June. I think the difficult part for E3 was, was filling the halls. Last question then. You could be quite outspoken, I think. Um, so let's try and provoke a response that we can tweet out and get loads of likes. Um, what aggravates you most about the industry at the present time? I think probably... Um, the thing that aggravated me the most was big companies who are members of Yuki trying to um, influence how uh, Yuki interacted with the government over loot box policy. When uh, when Yuki has over six hundred members, and Yuki has to represent the entire industry, and how the industry interacts with the government affects all of those members. I thought personally it was outrageous that some of the bigger companies um, felt that the, the tail could wag the dog. And it absolutely must not ever in this industry. If the consumer is to be protected and if this industry is going to continue to have confidence um, and be trusted by the government, we have to act for the better interests of everyone, not just the elite. Right. I think we'll leave it there. So... Thank you so much for your time, Stuart. Um, thank you thank you so much for looking back over an impressively long and successful career and one that we hope has many more successes to come for Curve, Stevenage, hopefully not at the expense of Pompey. <laughs> come, come, and, come and watch Portsmouth play at Stevenage next season. I would love to. But you're not sitting with me. You'll have to sit with the Portsmouth directors, all right? <laughs> oh, wow, that'd be great, yeah. Okay, thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Vince. Um, join us next time on the MCE Develop Podcast, where we'll be speaking to another influential figure of the UK games industry, one who's unlikely to be running a football club on the side. Thank you. Play at Pompey. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> Sweet pleasure.